This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, today I get to sit down with a guy who needs no introduction in the blueberry industry, Art Galetta of the Atlantic Blueberry Company. Art has a long history of leadership with both the NABC and the USHBC, which we will get into in this episode, as well as his family's legacy in blueberries and the current state of the blueberry industry in New Jersey. I asked Art to get us started with just an overview of his background in blueberries. My dad originally worked for Lester Collins, who owned this home farm here. It was called the Atlantic Company for the Culture of Cranberries. It was primarily a cranberry farm, and they uh, grew some blueberries to keep the men busy in the summer. And my dad really liked the blueberries a lot more than cranberries. And uh, he had some acreage uh, off to the side that he had cleared and uh, had a little five-acre blueberry uh, patch. And uh, eventually talked the owner here to uh, sell him the farm. So then it began, and um, he and my uncle Bill uh, were later joined by his other three brothers, uh, Ernie, William, and Anthony, and uh, the Galetta brothers ran this place. And uh, they eventually paid for it. After two bad years, they had a bumper crop and were able to pay off the place and and not have a mortgage. So it went from there. And over the years, uh, you know, I started working here when I was eight years old, and this is the only uh, job I've ever had. You know, they sent me to college, uh, got a degree from Drexel in business administration and accounting. And uh, I didn't really uh, plan on working here all my life until one of my cousins quit. And instead of being a gopher, they got me to run the packing house. And I enjoyed managing and, and running the business a lot more than I did just being a, a parts guy. <laughs> so uh, I've seen a lot of changes over the years. I, I, when I first started here, uh, it was... Oh, around 1960, we packed in wooden pints and put them in cedar crates, put slats on the crates and stacked them by hand in the trucks with, with air spaces uh, to try to keep them cool. We packed at ambient temperatures. Nothing was shipped uh, cold. In fact, the buyers didn't even want them cold because then the cellophane would get wrinkled that <laughs> were put on the blueberries. Yeah. So, uh, so I've seen that. And then we went into... Uh, the pulp pints, which were a lot nicer on the berries. And then uh, instead of wooden crates, eventually went into cardboard crates. And we were like, oh, that'll never work. <laughs> but it worked. And then uh, instead of hand stacking them, we put them on pallets. And we said, oh, let's see if this works. And we would ship them to New York and they would ride okay and make deliveries. So then it was so it was pulp pints with cellophane and, and cardboard crates on pallets. And then it went to, uh, Instead of hand packing with uh, a lot of high school age kids putting the form over the cellophane and then the rubber bands, uh, we, we actually went to an overwrap system and uh, we were packing them on a Weldatron machines, which were like the stretch wrap over the, uh, the blueberries. And uh, eventually the, the clamshells arrived. 
And uh, we were one of the first, if not the first in New Jersey to pack in clamshells. I think MEG was packing in clamshells. And I think Denny Doyle was packing some clamshells at True Blue. But all of a sudden the clamshells were a big hit because the consumer can now see all the blueberry. They could turn the pine over and see the bottom. Instead of, you know, they always thought uh, we put the best berries on top. So <laughs> we had to start putting good berries all over. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that was a big change. And now there's just like several different sizes. We got about 17 different ways we could pack with different labels, different sizes. We pack six ounce, we pack pints, we pack 18 ounce, we pack one pound, we pack uh, 24 ounce, 32 ounce, and all different amounts on different kind of boxes. And, uh, and then there's some private label we do for, for certain stores. So it's come, come a long way over the years and the equipment has changed over the years and it's getting more mechanized and it needs to get more mechanized. You know, labor has been uh, increasingly difficult. Uh, labor supply and availability of labor has been a, a challenge. So uh, that's where we're at today. And uh, we're trying to get more efficient and more mechanized every year. Well, and, and I know you just said you, you've been doing this, you know, basically since you were eight years old. And I think about that facility because I had the privilege of, of visiting with you, uh, walking that facility before the shutdown, before COVID, and and really enjoyed kind of having you walk me through your facility and those changes that have gone on since it was, you know, the farm that was your father's and, and his brother's to all the additions. And, you know, to your point about the mechanization, and you can almost stand in one part of your building and just see how much growth or how much change has had to take place in a physical structure in order to accommodate the growth. So I thought maybe you'd talk just a little bit about what that's meant like for you, both seeing it from the beginning, but, you know, what you've added on, you know, as a manager, as the owner uh, over the years. Yep. This pack and house is uh, uh, about 12 different additions uh, you know it was the original square packing house then we added the office uh, and we had, then we added more office and you had a downstairs that we made dock height and uh, added on to the sides added on to the back add another again to the back and more to the sides you know and then we added more forced air cooling more refrigeration as we found out that the colder you get the berries and the sooner you get the berries cold the better it is for the product, the higher quality you can uh, get the better receiving on the, on the other end. So that's uh, been a long time, a, a long, long journey of uh, improvements over the years. Many projects, you know, many iterations using the original facility to add on to the new facility. Yeah, you know, a lot of growth uh, there in that one facility, but your farm's grown too. So in the beginning, I remember we drove by the actual patch that began your company and uh, it's not far down the road from where you're at and that was the original acreage and and that was how many acres originally oh that's maybe 30 there 30. Mm -hmm. yeah well now we're uh we crop on about 900 to a thousand acres and we have a couple hundred more always uh in renovation so we, we've got a uh, about 1200 acres of ground here that we grow blueberries on and we're always pairing out. I mean, there's always new genetics coming down the road and you got to keep up with it because uh, quality is king here. Yeah, quality is a king and a varieties and breeding. And the subject of genetics is a hot one right now. And, and it is all across the world, but certainly uh, domestically looking at, you know, what are these future cultivars that are going to make farm successful? And of course, one of those varieties that have, you know, it seems like everybody knows the Duke variety. And for those who don't, 
connect that dot or haven't understood how, you know, what is the Duke? Maybe you could talk specifically about the Duke variety and how that name for that variety became what it is today. Yeah, that's a pretty funny story, Casey. Uh, We've had the research plots. The USDA had the uh, test blocks here for new uh, varieties. And Dr. Draper was the breeder at the time. And uh, every Friday, uh, Dr. Draper and a couple of guys from uh, Beltsville, Maryland would come up here. And my dad would go out in the field with them and they'd taste and they'd look at all these varieties and, and, and rate them for firmness, for flavor, for you know all the characteristics you want in blueberries. And um, they'd eat some and they'd spit them out because they tasted horrible or, you know, and they'd joke around. And uh, they came upon the Duke variety. And my dad was joking. He said, this one is a winner. He goes, you can name this one for me. And he was only kidding. And uh, they eventually released the variety and they named it Duke variety. And uh, it it was such an honor, you know, to have a a variety name for it. And it it turned out eventually to be one of the most widely planted varieties uh, of all time to date. And uh, maybe it still is, but, you know, there's a, there's going to be new genetics to replace that in the future. But uh, that was something very special. Incredible, actually, because, you know, it doesn't matter where you go in the country, arguably the world, where you don't run into a field of Duke. And so, yeah, I mean, Duke Coletta, the Duke variety, it's got to be a little difficult for you to pull the Dukes out. Do you ever pull the Dukes out or is it just something you you can't? You can't touch the Dukes on on the Galetta farm. <laughs> uh, well, we do have the oldest uh, Duke field in the world, and uh, that's still going strong. Now, there's a couple that that haven't been yielding quite as good. They're on the chopping block. We're going to pull some Duke out uh, this year. Uh, you know, there's some good new stuff coming out there, and we're gonna we're gonna stay with it. We're going to take a quick break from this conversation with Art for our crop report. The Pacific Northwest is winding down their harvest, and we've got some fruit coming in from both Peru and Mexico. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. Yes, it's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. The Pacific Northwest is basically wrapped up, marking the end of the domestic season for the year. But Doug Kramer joins us to give a recap from Oregon. He's also joined by Luis Vegas in Peru and Mario Ramirez in Mexico. This was recorded on September 28th, 2022. Well, this is Doug Kramer reporting from Oregon. Our harvest is done. Growers are out getting their fields rehabilitated, uh, cleaning up the messes we made during harvest, which is extensive. So that's what we're doing at this point, just keeping those fields in good shape so that next year we have an opportunity for a great crop. Good morning. This is Luis with a crop report from Peru up until the end of week 37, which is the week ending on September 18th. Uh, Up until week 37 of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 198 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. From this overall volume, 53% has been shipped to the US, 26% to Europe, 18% to China, and 3% to other destinations. From the total volume shipped, 14% have been organics. During week 37, a total of 24.4 million pounds were shipped. 55% of the total volume shipped during week 37 has been sent to the US with around 13.5 million pounds, which are expected to arrive the US market during the first week of October. 
31% of the volume was shipped to Europe, 12% to China, and 2% to other destinations, including Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Hong Kong, India, Panama, Thailand, and Taiwan. That's the report for Peru up until the end of week 37. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Here, Mario with the Mexican Blueberries report for week 38 from September 18 to September 24th. During week 38, Mexico exported 564,000 pounds of fresh blueberries to the United States and to other destinations like Europe, Asia, and the growing market of Middle East, another 20,456 pounds. It is a total volume of 600, around 600,000 pounds. Uh, this in fresh blueberries and exported to all the globe. From this volume, 1%, that means around 2,000 pounds was organic blueberries. And this week, our volume growth 28% respecting week 37. In frozen, Mexico decreased 32% respecting last week with 40,000 pounds exported to the United States. And our frozen blueberries represents only the 1% of the total frozen imports to the United States. The beginning of the autumn are favoring our volumes and our quality, of course. Also, the rainy season is almost gone, except for sporadical rains in the central region of Mexico. But as you may know, there are no affectations reported. That's only my report. Thank you very much. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take the time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you're increasingly finding our data and insight center, updating more of what's happening in the blueberry industry every day. We've added a lot more features to this dashboard thanks to the work that Joe is doing. So check it out. We've got our USDA shipping and price movement, the retail category performance, the Nielsen monthly retail sales report, and much, much more. So it's changing a lot lately. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Now let's go back to our featured conversation with Art Galetta. Well, maybe talk a little bit about that transition of how that variety business has changed in your mind because uh, there are a lot of new genetics coming out and, you know, a lot of investment in that, you know, breeding and research of what's best, but what's your take on where this is all going for, you know, the way that genetics have, have really changed the landscape, even of what blueberries, you know, obviously taste like, I mean, it's really taking on, you know, a much more sophisticated direction in the science, but also, you know, really trying to organize and, and connect the dots back to things like flavor for consumers. So, I mean, you've seen a lot, you've seen a lot of varieties over the years and uh, you're seeing what, what works being done today and trying to uh, improve on those varieties, but what's your sense of where things are going? Well, uh, taste is still like really high on the, on the criteria. And also along with that, it's firmness and the ability to carry, you need good, strong berries that will taste good and take a ride and store wealth so that it can go a longer distance and spread out your product. That's a, a way to add value to your business is to, uh, you know, make it to more markets. So you're not just stuck in the area. At one time we only shipped to as far as maybe Boston from New Jersey, which is about a six, seven hour ride. And now we go all over the country and we couldn't do that with the older stuff. And then this newer stuff, you know, it's, 
allows the berries to take boat rides, <laughs> you know, just like, uh, you know, they take long boat rides now and arrive fine. Uh, and the newer varieties are, are, are prettier, they're bigger, they taste good, they, they do everything that we need to do. And we have to get into these varieties where you, you're not going to stay in business. Right. Well, and, and maybe that takes us to the question that I have for you about, you know, what future challenges do you see, you know, for the for your business, for this business and for our industry, you know, what, where do you see the opportunities that exist? And, and I think in tied to the, the question about genetics, like when does it go too far in your mind where, you know, it's, it's either not recognizable as a blueberry or, you know, is there any bright lines you see where we need to stay as an industry in order to keep any sort of relationship to the past? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Size is important now. I mean, people buy with their eyes. But I'm afraid if they get too much size, people are going to think, what are these nuclear or, you know, <laughs> but are these things still good for you at this, this size? But, I think it's so big. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you, you know, uh, definitely want to keep the, uh, the, the quality and the consumer in, in their mind and, and not lose sight of that. I mean, that's who's eventually paying for the product. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so other challenges that you see for our industry going forward, do you, what do you think on the horizon line or, or even currently today? I know you mentioned labor as being an issue. It always has, you know, this constant challenge for our industry, just agriculture generally, but what, what specifically for blueberries do you see as challenging going forward? The most challenging right now is getting them picked uh, mechanically and being able to go fresh. So that's where you're headed to with the varieties that we're choosing to plant is a varieties that could do mechanical harvesting and still make fresh quality. So that's the current focus. After that, I'm not sure what's going to be next and next after that. So Yeah. Well, and then in terms of uh, opportunities, we talk a lot about that at USHBC in terms of innovation and the ways in which uh, we still see a lot of runway for market opportunities in areas like food ingredient, food service, and even at retail with a lot of the business that uh, I think still has yet to be won. Uh, we talk a lot about household penetration rate and where uh, there still seems to be increasing opportunity for us to both domestically and globally help drive the vision, which is to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. But but talk a little bit from your perspective on, on you know, maybe how we've seen that growth of understanding about the health of blueberries, you know, from your role at the USHBC and that investment growers were making, like how important has it been for you to see, you know, these dollars collected and then invested go towards driving the health halo, driving, you know, overall consumption. And now we're talking about the world, which is a new change for our vision statement, but I'd love to get your sense on, on how things have transitioned or, or continued to progress over time. Well, uh, the key point in time was when Jim Joseph did his research in Tufts University and came out with blueberries as being the, the highest uh, antioxidant fruit and the effects of uh, eating uh, antioxidants and what they can do for your health and your memory and your and we were in a meeting and he showed us that presentation and we all just lit up like wow we didn't we we, we grew them because they taste good and and then and then to find out they're good for you we're like oh boy and, and mint the i mean just exploded from there i mean and uh, 
you know, so the farmer's their own worst enemy. You know, everybody goes out and plants more blueberries, and now we got more blueberries. And, you know, so that's the next challenge is what are we going to do with all these berries that are coming in? I've seen that transition. Well, and you guys, uh, you know, I know you were a part of the North American Blueberry Council before there was a USHBC. And at some point, you know, in order to address what you're describing as being, you know, the future, the future of this production growth that was going to take place, you needed to institute something that was going to help drive that demand. And so I thought you could reflect a little bit about, you know, that decision then and to where we are today and the way in which it has worked or, or you know, maybe it hasn't worked like you thought it was, but I'd love to get your perspective on just, you know, what this has meant for you as a grower and, and for us as an industry. Well, back in the day, I was president of NABC uh, around 1990. And our budget was a couple hundred thousand dollars. And it was all voluntary money. And you couldn't go out and beat the bushes and try to raise more money. And nobody is interested in paying money that their neighbor didn't have to pay. So that's where we were. And um, I got to give a lot of credit to Mark Hurst. Mark and I did a lot of work. Mark did the lion's share of getting this organization, uh, the USHBC, started. There was a lot of doubts whether that would even pass. How could we do this? And how's the bylaws? And how's it going to work? Who's going to be represented? But uh, we got it all nailed down and, and it passed. And we were like, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, we had money to invest in our uh, in our future. And it got real exciting from there. It got real, real promising. Yeah. Well, um, I do want to spend a little time talking about your, you know, your specific involvement as a leadership. I know you've been a part of the North American Blueberry Council as as chair. Currently, you're chairing the nominating and awards. Actually, we have a Duke Coletta Award. It doesn't happen every year. I mean, I'll let you speak to this. Um, but nominations take place and certain people are either recognized with the Alex Weatherby Award or the Duke Coletta Award with your role as uh as the chair of the nominations committee. So I thought you could talk a little bit about the inspiration of both of those awards and, you know, what those have meant to you in terms of for the industry over the years. Well, I was fortunate enough to know both men and um, they're both two of my heroes. Of course, my dad was my, you know, my hero, but Alex was one of my heroes too. I mean, I got to the point where uh, I was selling the berries here while Alex was selling uh, for diamond blueberry and, uh, so, you know, he, we would go back and forth, you know, he, he was, he was a really funny guy and uh, he was, he was a great marketer from New Jersey at the time, you know, so to have the Alex Weatherby award named, you know, for marketing and uh, promotion of blueberries is very appropriate. And my dad was really interested in breeding and, and the newer varieties and, and how to grow these things. And so I think that was fitting also to the pioneers of the business. And, and this is where it all started. Well, talk to me a little bit about your dad, you know, in terms of, I know you said he, he, he liked the blueberries better than cranberries, but, you know, would you have described him as a visionary? I mean, did, did, did you sense then that he knew what he was, you know, getting himself into, you know, this was of course, before the health research study broke on how good they were for you, but you know, when you look back as him as your hero, I mean, what are those traits that you saw? Was it was it that he could predict that these types of things or hard work? Talk, tell me a little bit more about your dad. Yeah, it almost reminds me of uh, the, the movie where if you build it, they will come. Uh, you know, he, he just knew that in his heart that this this fruit was going to be something special. 
And um, he was a hard driving guy. He was a hard negotiator. He was tough. And uh, he taught me to be tough. I'm not quite as mean as he was, but, you know, inside I'm tough. <laughs> and uh, I, I, in fact, when I was little, uh, I was working, I was about nine or 10 years old. Uh, I was having problems out in the packing house. And, and I was mad at one of my younger cousins who was making me do all the work. And I go flying into the office and said, Dad, I quit. He goes, okay, he goes, sit down. So he left me sitting there in the office. And about 10 minutes, he comes back in. He goes, all right, go back to work. So I went back to work. <laughs> I've been working here ever since. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, you know, what I think is great, like you said, I mean, there's a certain New Jersey tough too that, uh, you know, when, when I'm working with you and all the guys out there and, and the farms and the growers who represent that crop, you know, you guys have built quite the community. I mean, it, it certainly is history, a lot of history there in New Jersey, but there's a, a big community of growers out there. And, and you know, I know you guys have your gatherings and I got to participate in one of them prior to COVID, but it just seems like there's just a lot of, of that family history out there that makes up this community of growers who have invested their lives in this blueberry cultivation. So, I mean, maybe you could talk a little bit about that community and, and the experience you've had, you know, growing up there, but certainly having a business there, being in the community of growers there. Yeah, well, this, this town is uh, very much uh, from Italian descent. So everybody's Italian. So you, you don't talk about anybody because it's probably your cousin. So, yeah, the, almost all the farmers are friends, but come summertime, you know, you got to do what you, you're doing for your own business. You don't do things that hurt the other guy. Well, most everybody doesn't do things that hurt the other guy. They do things for themselves, not against somebody. And, that, and that's the way we kind of take it. Uh, I mean, we're friends with all the other growers. We're competitors at times. I'm all our fruit's up against itself, you know, during the summer. So it's all hard competition, but it, you're, you're not competing against them you're competing for yourself and um, i think that's what we all keep in mind and and everybody's civil here uh, with each other and i'm sure there's arguments in town with people but i, I don't have any enemies in the business that i know of. <laughs> not that you know of but i certainly experienced what was uh, uh, you know uh, certainly a warm reception but a, a great community of growers who you could tell have been you know, working together for a long time to continue to advance what we're working on here, which is the production and, and marketing of blueberries, certainly domestically, but now around the world. And and I thought we could talk now just a little bit about this recent crop and this season that you had, you know, New Jersey, you know, tends to kind of find itself in a, a unique part of every season, every year of our blueberry season domestically. And this year was even more unique with the Pacific Northwest coming on late uh, due to weather. And, and so kind of created this gap of production with New Jersey standing there alone with uh, providing the blueberries that you all had. And, and so with your tenure in this business and the history you've had, how unique was this season to you this year? Oh, it was very unique. Uh, the, the South was hurt, so their back end was light. And so our opening, when we start picking, there wasn't a lot of, of berries around. So we had a, a good opportunity. And then the, the Michigan crop was later than normal and the, the West Coast was later than normal. So we had about five and a half, maybe five to six weeks period where we were the only game in town with, with any kind of volume. Now, our volume was down this year, but it was still 
ample enough to, to have sales and and to supply the the big guys with with fruit that you know enable us to get a better price than normal for our product which really helped when you're when you're lower in buying so we, we ended up okay well uh it sounded like i think the quote i heard was you started the season at a price and you ended it you know at the same price you know that pretty it, much pretty yeah. much yeah and that uh that doesn't happen very often so it was interesting to see for myself and and for someone like you who's seen a lot of these years come and go uh just how different it was you know before i let you go and I, and i know this has been a good conversation and and our first chance to kind of get together on the podcast for people to get to know you but you know as you've certainly served in leadership capacities year over year and different, like we talked about the North American Blue Book Council and the USHBC. What advice, as you look at that next generation that is, you know, both in the business today, coming into the business in the future, uh, we just launched our leadership program here at USHBC, but what advice would you have for others in the industry that are listening to this, but haven't really gotten involved yet? Well, there's a lot of great talent coming up. And I would say if you're interested in, in your business to get, invo get involved, I think we uh, need to create more and better opportunities to get the uh, newer generation involved. But I see some already uh, getting involved that, that are amazing. I call them kids. I mean, they're not kids. They're, they're adults, but they, to me, they're kids. And uh, so I see these kids uh, that, man, they got a lot going on. I mean, they know, they know data, they know how to use it, they, they know how to express themselves, they've got good communication skills, and I see a lot of leadership qualities in these kids, and uh, I'm encouraged that, you know, we're going to turn it over to people that are capable. Yeah, well, we've certainly been fortunate to have leaders like you getting us to this point as an industry. You know, I can't thank you enough. I know I'd say that on behalf of uh, all the growers that know you and certainly the board leadership that has served alongside you all these years but it really does make a difference when you're as committed as art is to uh making sure that this deal keeps moving forward and progressing and and you know kind of brings that new jersey culture that he described to the rest of the industry which is also very important for the future of our industry it's been a family business as you described it from the very beginning and it still even uh today feels very much like a, a number of families who are uh, working to make this a real important part of the future of blueberries. And uh, that's what we're here for. And, and I know you've served a long time in helping make that happen. So I want to thank you, Art, for that. Well, I want to thank you for your kind words. I appreciate it. And keep up the good work. You're doing a great job. Well, that's it for episode 114. I look forward to seeing everyone very soon at the Blueberry Summit in Nashville. If you haven't registered yet, make sure you do that soon. We're running out of time. We want to see as many people there to connect and just bring the family back together again. So check it out at blueberryevents.org. Make sure you're registered. And again, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Blueberries.